Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 55 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Paul Masvidal discusses his first band, and I recommend Gates to the Morning. Before all that, I interview Manuel from Zeal and Ardor. Zeal and Ardor are a unique band that mixes black metal with blues and slave spirituals. The idea of the band is essentially if slaves in the South were into Satan rather than Jesus. Manuel has released three albums in the name, and in that time has grown the band from a one-man project into a full-fledged touring band. Manuel joined me to discuss the band being part of the black metal scene despite not being true nor cult, the race element surrounding the band, the recent Live in London album, and more. So before we dive in, here are some of the title track of the album Devil is Fine by Zeal and Ardor. Hey, uh, this is Manuel from Zildarger. Oh, how are you this uh, afternoon, I believe, for your time? Yeah, it, uh, it is afternoon. I'm, I'm fine. Super sunny and warm. Summer, <laughs> where, yeah. <laughs> where in the world are you right now? I'm in Switzerland. Real fun. Uh, you're in between a handful of shows, correct? Is this home for you? This is home for me, yeah. Uh, yeah, currently, like, uh, it's just festivals, so we fly or drive out on the weekend, do a couple of shows and come back and sleep a lot. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were uh, based in New York. Is that misinformation somewhere? Um, I used to be. Now I'm here. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. What, uh, <laughs> what brought you there? Uh, well, I was born and raised here, actually. I was in New York for a couple of years and I came back after or during the whole Neil Nader thing. Okay. So it's like a clusterfuck of... <laughs> misinformation or whatever yeah i mean internet's full of that and we'll we'll probably dive in and cross some of those paths as we uh we <laughs> so how how has, how has the uh, big run of festivals been because uh i'm assuming at this point in your career you're probably on some of the like earlier time slots uh yeah um it's it's bizarre because um we're you know first of all not used to touring and then not used to touring in such a scale so we feel kind of like the odd ones out, although we do enjoy playing the large stages. Um, it's 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 odd because <laughs> uh, our show really relies on atmosphere and mood, and uh, we have like a nice light show. But uh, at three p.m., that really shines through too much. You know, you know like, <laughs> I totally get that because I've seen Behemoth twice, but both times were at like Ozfest sort of things. So it was like four in the afternoon, and it was so strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Angry Nurgle and sunlight—that wasn't really mixed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, that, how have the reception's been for the uh, for the like blues-based kind of black metal band? Uh, really positive. I mean, um, part of me wishes, like you know, if you only knew if you could see us in darkness, it would be different. But uh, uh, people actually go apeshit, and um, that's. 
I guess a, a plus in my book. Yeah, it's good. Cool. Like I saw you uh, open for Baroness and uh, Def Heaven in Berkeley, and it was a really cool show. And it was one of those ones where I was like, "Oh, good. There's a lot of people here for the first band because you know that can be a little touchy sometimes." But they had you had a, a solid crowd who were really stoked about it, and always as well. Um, so it's nice to hear that you're getting yeah. uh, some good some good feedback, and because it's a it's a great thing you guys are putting out. Um, so I kind of want to go back to the beginning a little bit, and we might dive into some of that misinformation we alluded to. Uh, I read that in high school you were in a black metal band, then you transitioned to chamber pop. Chamber pop. How did that initial uh, transition to chamber pop come about? Um, well, with the black metal thing, I was in a band, and um, I just kind of felt restricted because it was a, a communal effort and. Uh, you know, people wouldn't show up to band practice, and eventually I just started to make music of my own alone. And then I kind of, you know, spread it out. What else can I get away with? And um, just in terms of uh, technical stuff, it's way more interesting to produce pop because there's such a, a bizarre, even this fake craftsmanship to it that I just wanted to kind of master it. So that's how that happened. And are, are your folks still around? Uh, around or what? Are, are your your like parents still around? Just in, in uh, well, life, yeah, one's in in uh, in the states, and my dad is somewhere in the mountains of Switzerland. I haven't seen him in quite a while. <laughs> uh, what what do uh, what does like family think of the whole satanic satanic spiritual blues sort of sound you put out? Like, um, they're into it. I mean, we we grew up as atheists, and so that was never really an issue. Um, both of my parents are musicians, though, so uh, I was initially afraid of their scrutiny, but they seem to be on board with what I do. Cool. So that's heartwarming, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, influence I've seen a lot of yours thrown around is Tom Waits. What first drew you to Tom Waits? Um, just basically the atmosphere. You could, you know, put on any Tom Waits record, and within seconds you transform to, or transported to his weird world of rusty nails and, and dingy alleyways. And I think that's something that, you know, not a lot of artists can do. Just, uh, you know, paint such a, such a striking picture. Um, yeah, that's actually what I'm trying to steal off of that guy <laughs> one day. <laughs> Just, yeah, well, I mean, you've already totally got, like, this whole atmosphere and allure to your sound. Uh, have you considered, like, a screenplay of this of the concept behind the band? Because I could, I'd watch that. I mean, I'd, I'd sell out for that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Just be a consultant for um, something? Uh, no, no. I think um, since, I mean, we, we do play large stages and shit, but like our budget is so tiny that even the thought of a screenplay, let alone a production, uh, would just um, ruin us. Probably not just financially, but also emotionally. But um, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if someone were to approach us with it, I, guess, I mean, I'd be very much up for it. And as this is, you know what it is, but just for like listeners' sake, the entire concept of your band is kind of, uh, it's like slave spirituals if instead of being about Jesus, they were about Satan. If you were to boil it down to that, would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, I would certainly agree with that, yeah. So because you've kind of got these very specific um uh, aspects to your sound, do you ever feel it's like a chore to create within those confines? 
Um, initially, I was afraid that, um, you know, having having put borders on, you know, the, the genre or the atmosphere would be restrictive. But I think um, I kind of learned that, you know, if you have a, a, a play field that you, that you kind of sketched out, you, you learn to get um, creative within those uh, confinements. And it's actually kind of beneficial. And has uh, bringing more people into your sound between uh, Stranger Fruits and Devil's Fine, flip those in release order, of course, uh, kind of helped with that? Um, well, kind of. I mean, I still write all the music and record it, except for the drums alone. Um, but uh, knowing how how my, my friends, my bandmates play has really actually... Um, influence how I write songs now because I, I, I like I know like that my my guitarist Tiziano really likes the genty stuff so I get I give him a lot of jump jumps <laughs> if you know what I mean oh actually um, I was totally surprised to see a seven or eight string guitar when I saw you guys play in Berkeley and, yeah and to hear that makes perfect sense now <laughs> yeah exactly um so I kind of cater to them a little bit I try not to do it too much but I mean they're my friends and I don't want them to be you know, pissed off at music. <laughs> and, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it has its one. Cool. And, and like, this is, now I'm thinking about guitars. Uh, for a black metal sound, you rarely see a Fender Strat, but I think I've seen you with a Fender Strat more than anything in images. Why a Fender Strat? Uh, actually, it's Charvel. Uh, oh, it's fault. a very complicated story that um, they gave it to me for free. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I wish there were more like a, a philosophical background to that, but um, it's just a dope guitar. Now I play uh, Aristides. Aristides is one of those um, plastic. Um, I mean, they they don't have wood in them. Like they developed some kind of plastic that resonates beautifully, and they gave us both guitars of those. So we're playing those now. Cool. I mean, yeah, it's... not not true, not cult at all, but you know, there it is. Fuck it. I mean, Colt's overrated anyway. Um, <laughs> a little bit. How has uh, not having a Colt or true sound been to, I don't know, true or Colt folks? Because now, I mean, you're doing a lot of European festivals and runs, and you're about to go out with uh, Behemoth if your dates online were accurate. But um, they're not super Colt either. But, you know, how, how has that yeah. interaction been with the black metal community? Um, I mean, the part that enjoys it is vocal about it, and the part that doesn't enjoy it at all, they just don't bother with it. I mean, that why would they listen to our music and <laughs> critique it? Huh? I, I, that seems unheard of, because like, on the side, I write for a metal website, and every comment is about how band X is not what they should be in this person's head. And sometimes the metal community is very vocal about if they don't like you for some reason. I'm happy to hear that they have not been with you guys, but, uh, I mean, of course there's haters, but I mean, like, uh, the people who really don't like our music don't, you know, listen to us to begin with. It just, I guess just cause I guess they just put us off as, you know, not their cup of tea. Cause it, it seems bizarre to like invest time and listen to something that you don't enjoy and then write about it online. But I mean, that's a couple of people do that, but, um, yeah, that's, that's their day, I guess. It's fine. We got off the show. We're so black, I don't see them anymore. I kill a man in the mud. 
to show When I'm so black I don't see a man no That was some of Baphomet from the Zeal and Ardor album Live in London. I'll have more with Manuel in just a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere in this episode. Paul from Cynic discusses his musical origins. Um, well, the earliest band name I, I can remember um, was, it was called Seaweed. And um, it sounded like... Oh, wait, no. Before, didn't we have something before Seaweed? Was Chrysler before Seaweed? I can't even remember now, but I want to say Seaweed was the first band. And what and, did Seaweed uh, sound like? Kind of like... Like Voivod and Black Sabbath or something. Like, just kind of do me but weird sounds pretty cool <laughs> yeah it was kind of weird weird and doomy and nerdy um i mean the name seaweed i mean like the lyrics were about like like there was a song called abyssal plains you know it was about the the bottom of the ocean you know and just things like that <laughs> it, was, it was pretty nerdy um aquacore but um like- <laughs> Aquacore, that's a new one. Um, yeah, kind of Aquacore, deep deep sea core stuff. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, could you listen to it now without cringing? I don't even like. I don't know if there's any of those tapes exist, or but it would be fun to hear. I mean, I can hear one of the songs right now because there was a song called "The Seaweed Creature," and um, like I could totally like it you know um so it's yeah i mean there's you know there's something really earnest about hearing our our ramblings in in those days and uh i'm very you know i I try to be forgiving especially since the cynic demos were released and just say you know it's okay it was a time and place and this is part of the journey and you don't have to be all Michelangelo about it, which is he apparently burned all his sketches, you know, so no one would see his process. And I can relate to that, you know, but um, there is something interesting about seeing how people arrive at, arrive at things, you know? Absolutely. That's why I love asking and, that question. Yeah, and you never arrive, you know. That's the other thing, too. There is no destination. It's just sometimes you get better at clarifying your voice or being more articulate and specific with these things that we're doing as artists, but I don't know that we ever necessarily land, you know, or touch ground to come back to that metaphor. You know, it's kind of a constant free fall. So you never quite, never quite feel like you find your footing. You're just in this ongoing conversation with the process. And that's what keeps it interesting, you know,
Under the Masvidal name, Paul just released Mythical, his first in the Mythical Human Vessel EP trilogy. To pick up a copy, head to mosvidalian.com. Now, before I wrap with Manuel from Zealand Ardor, here are some of Servants from their Live in London album. I noted a rather quick turnaround between uh, Devil's Fine and Stranger Fruit and then the live album. Uh, have you already started working on any sort of new material under the, the, the label that you've got going now? A little bit, yeah. But uh, I took the first half of the next year off to concentrate on that purely because I think um, it would be really easy to just continue on with the sound as it is and kind of you know be that band that churns out an album every one or two years and it's like you know an ACDC thing but I'd rather you know risk it and do something different and uh, you know become more unpopular as time goes on (laughs) we'll see and I read that uh, you were quoted as saying that you kind of see this band having a bit of a shelf life in sort of the, the, the boundaries of it do you still feel that now that you're like this far in uh, or are you just gonna um, tweak the sound Tom Waits style and now have a like a a street performed kind of busking album? <laughs> yeah, I, I won't totally Lulu it, but um, <laughs> I'll <laughs> we'll see. I'm not even sure what it's gonna sound like, but um, every band has a shelf life. I mean, music, you know, in this form is kind of a, a popularity contest. You know, if if you're popular, you can play big shows and, you know, earn money. And if not, you can't. And nothing's ever popular forever. So that's just the reality of it, I think. I mean, theoretically, you could go the Tom Waits route and have your next album not be metal at all and still carry the same banner. Because, you know, Tom Waits did it, Beck does it, Prince does it. Why not be the metal guy that does that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll just aggravate a whole bunch of people in the process, but yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe it'll be a Salter record. We'll, we'll see. It'll be <laughs> that would be pretty sick. Disappointing for everyone. I've heard, like, salsa rhythms thrown into metal songs. I've never heard, like, straight-up salsa metal. Uh, I think I think that's because it's a terrible idea, but <laughs> we'll, well see. I mean, there's polka metal out there. I think it's pretty fun. Uh, they're not far off the salsa metal. All right, let's. All right, here's our. Yeah, side. you're right. Here's our side project. You and me, we're making salsa metal. Uh, we're gonna go bankrupt <laughs> doing it. It's fine, uh, but it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, we'll have fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, come to think of it, I've never seen a horn section in metal. A what section? Huh. Like a, a section of trumpets. I feel, well, there's like some Between the Barry to Me stuff where it's in the background, but it's not like a full-on section. 
that they travel with. Oh, maybe um, the, therein therein lies the hypocrisy. You have to commit to the trumpet, or else it's just. I've never seen. I've never seen Diablo Swing Orchestra, but I'm pretty sure they have a horn, at least a trumpet guy. Ooh, yeah, you're right. Fuck, might, yeah, you're right. That might be our one. All right, I think we got the market cornered. We should get out while we can. <laughs> uh, so your song Baphomet, uh, that you, I've seen you close your show with, and I believe you typically do close your show with, came out as an Adult Swim single series song uh how did yeah how did the adult swim folks first get in contact with you or how did that whole thing come together Uh, literally the guy just wrote me on twitter um if i'd be down to do that just like uh have them have a song for the thing um it was not on like a co-binge in los angeles with celebrities around or anything (laughs) i don't know uh, these these encounters are are thoroughly un unromantic these days it's just because everyone's you know available on social media you can just hit them up and did uh allowing them to use your song come with any sort of swag from them like do you have a cool meat wad like beanbag chair that they paid you with or or any sort of strange deep cut adult swim merch absolutely nothing <laughs> no they just they just took my song and ran with it i feel abused no, um, it also has, you know, the geographic thing. I, I'm i in Europe, and I don't think they can really send feedbacks economically. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll have to work on it. Um, something that comes up a lot with this band is uh, the, 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 tongue, uh, the conversation about race. Um, is that something you set to be such a focal point of the band, or is that kind of the byproduct of being um, somebody who's using like slave spirituals in your sound and being a black dude in metal? Um, initially it was just um, about the music, but, you know, as time progressed, and I, you know, you can't be too heavy-handed with these elements, and I was very conscious of that. So, especially with Stranger Fruit, I kind of made it a point not to be just, I hate this term, uh, culturally appropriating elements, um, but actually using them in a, in a semi-meaningful way and giving it context. And has, like, it become sort of something you don't really want to reach to the band, or now that it's in the conversation, is it a conversation you want to have? Um, I'm not opposed to it. I mean, uh, it, it's a conversation we're all supposed to have. I don't I don't think that um, you can strictly separate the, the music from it. And that's why I think um, I can't, you know... Avoid it. It's not that I'm, I'm pissed off that we're having the conversation sometimes, but um, yeah, it's just I guess you know part of the course. Part of the course. There we go. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll, I'll slowly begin to wrap up here. So you've got um, a couple big tours. Any like particular shows or festivals that you're like really looking forward to, or gonna try something crazy on or something? Um, I'm pretty much excited about the Behemoth Behemoth uh, tour because. The two other bands, it's like a four-band uh, bill. The two other bands are like really culty, true, um, you know, dead animals on stage, steals. Whereas we're like, you know, the flavor of the month, um, ethno-metal thing. And uh, we'll see how uh, Eastern Europe will react to that. I It'll think- be interesting. <laughs> Alrighty, sir. Well, thank you for talking with me. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and break and break all the legs on your upcoming tours and 
festivals and shows and whatnot. Thanks, man. Yeah, and uh, next time you're in the yeah. the greater vicinity, let's uh, let's high five and enjoy enjoy an evening. Um, that sounds very good. Yeah. You can grab Live in London now on all your digital music platforms or grab a copy over at zealandarder.com where you can also find dates. Now, to close this episode, I am recommending the New Jersey band Gates to the Morning. Gates to the Morning are a post-black metal band led by Sean Myers. He and his band released the concept album Return to Earth, which takes on twin concepts. From that album, here is Rekindled in its entirety.
Gates to the Morning just released Return to Earth in July. For more on the band, head to gatestothemorning.bandcamp.com and facebook.com slash gatestothemorning. Now, if you'd like to speak with me, you may do so by heading over to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. There you can find the email, the Facebook, the Twitter, all that good stuff. And of course, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal from the album The New Black by Strapping Young Lad, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.